Hey, I'm going to hand it over to Brian. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Uh, if you don't know me, um, I'm Brian. Um, I'm, I'm probably most easy to recognize as Jesse's husband, because you probably know Jesse, especially if you have kids or uh, volunteer. But um, uh, I, I get the chance to also lead worship up here, and uh, am currently in school, um, and, and I'm on a long journey of, of school and seminary, and, and hopefully will be be uh, someday called into pastoral ministry um, full time. But but right now I get the chance to serve here at Blaine. I get to worship, and and sometimes when Tyler's really busy and he's willing to take a risk, he'll let me preach. <laughs> so. Um, and, and extra dangerous, though, we're like between series, and so Tyler was like, Ryan, preach on what you want. So I didn't have like, here's the next chapter in the book, so fingers crossed um, for you guys, but I feel pretty good. I'm just kidding. That. <laughs> uh, we're going to be uh, in, in, in Hebrews um, 13.5 today. We're, we're going to focus on, on one verse um, because we, we are going to do something that, that not as much we normally do, but we're going to focus on the topic of contentment. Um, and so we're just going to jump right in. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that, that, that we can come to your word, whether we're, we're, we're reading a whole chapter or an entire story or sometimes just a whole verse, God, that we know that, that your word is powerful. Lord, that, that your word is used by the Holy Spirit to change our lives, to reveal to us more of who you are. And God, I pray that today as we go through this, Lord, that, that we would hear your word, that we, would be, that we would be changed to look more like you, that we would see the world more from your perspective. And God, that you would be glorified, Lord. All this is for your glory. And we praise you, God, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There's a popular uh, theologian named Arthur W. Pink. Um, and in his book, Comfort for Christians, he wrote, Discontent. Was there ever a time when there was so much restlessness in the world as there is today? We very much doubt it. Despite our boasted progress, the vast increase of wealth, the time and money expended daily on pleasure, discontent is everywhere. No class is exempt. Everything is in a state of flux, and almost everybody is dissatisfied. Many, even among God's own people, are affected with the evil spirit of this age. I would say this is a pretty good description of what our world is like today, right? The crazy thing about that quote, though, and if you know who a Arthur W. Pink is or A.W. Pink is, you might know him, uh, you know that he's, um, he's not around anymore because he died a long time ago. That, that was written 70 years ago, in 1952. Yet the relevance of that statement, I think, is pretty pertinent today. I would actually argue there is more restlessness today then in 1952, now I wasn't there, but, but based on his statement, I'd say probably even more so. I would, I, would, I, would, uh, I would almost say that when we look at things like marketing campaigns that tell us the, that you need something that you didn't know existed yesterday, but now that you know it exists and there's a new problem, you definitely need to resolve that new problem, <laughs> might contribute to some of the new restlessness. Our ability to instantly access other people's lives through our phones and the, the pressure of, of just being able to see all their highlights where, well, you know all the lowlights and everything in between of your own life. The bombardment of news stories and tragedies. 
who wouldn't feel restless and disrupted by constantly being shown information on every negative thing that is happening around the world, whether locally, whether on the other side? Can our minds really manage the emotional and mental toll of knowing, let alone caring about so many things that are happening? Stack on top of that the, the age-old rest interrupters like job pressures, looking a certain way, making sure your kids grow up to be awesome and, and, and follow their dreams, or just the desire to follow our own dreams. And then you've got pursuits like pleasure or escape that might lead to substance abuse or distractions or, or maybe just negligence of, of your responsibilities. You can pick your poison, but the list of things to make you feel discontent is endless. Yet somehow, our desire for more keeps sending us back. And what I'm here to talk about today, the part of this passage that will drive our study this morning is this, where it says, be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Right here, we see the core of what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to in this passage. He's calling us to be content. I will use the word contentment a lot today, so, so I'm going to define it. Contentment is the state of being satisfied with one's positions, status, or situation. Again, contentment is the state of being satisfied with one's possessions, status, or situation. Another way to put it might be being satisfied or, or, or being fulfilled with those things. So take a moment and think about that definition. What is it like to be completely satisfied? When we think about the things that make us feel content, it's no wonder we want more of them. It's because contentment is something good and beneficial that God wants us to experience. It is a gift from God that he wants us to be fulfilled in life. And when we think about times in our lives where we have been most satisfied, it's likely that many of those times are probably the good times. But God is not blind to the fact, and you probably aren't either, that not every part of our lives will be filled with happiness. In fact, some parts of our lives will be tragic and heartbreaking. Sometimes of our lives will be filled with sadness and frustration, and defeat or loss, yet Scripture tells us, not only here but in other places, that even in those times we can be content. It's important to note that contentment and happiness are not the same thing. As I go through today, I, I, when I say contentment, it may not always mean happy, okay? But God says that we can and should be content in all things, whether that time is filled with joy or of sorrow. And it's okay right now to be asking, like, come on, Brian, like, can I really, like, every circumstance, like, you don't know my life, you don't know what I've been through, you don't, you don't know where I am or where I've been, and, and, and that, that's a big statement to make. But, but I, I'm not making the statement Scripture is. And, and so I wholly believe that. And Scripture tells us the secret here of why something that seems so impossible is possible. See, the passage in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Be content with all you have. Okay, that's the thing that makes us like, man, that sounds kind of crazy. But then there's another word right after that. It says, because, because God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Whenever you see the word because in the Bible, I think you should underline it. And, and maybe, maybe you don't like writing in your Bible, so maybe in your, in your mind you underline it. Because when, when some, someone in Scripture has written and they write the word because, they're telling you the why for what is being discussed. They're telling you the reason for what was just said or commanded. So slow down when you come to that because. It's there for a reason, and it's there to make sure that you don't just know the command or the argument, but that you know the why, why it is there. And, that, and what is the why of, of contentment? What is the because? It's that God says he will never leave us nor forsake you. 
Forsake meaning turn away or abandon. And so knowing and experience this is the reason we can find fulfillment through all things. We are most satisfied in that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's it. That's all. Poof. We're done. If you don't know, now you know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not done. Some of you are like, sweet. That's Brian's done really early. I, 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 I won't be so naive to think that, that we're done here. Just because just I've told you the because doesn't mean you've been filled now with a lifetime supply of contentment and go on. It's just great. Like, man, I wish someone would have just told me that however many years ago. No, it, that's because that, that's just not how the word of God works. Yes, yes, some things are, are, are pretty quick, right? We, we're justified once. Right, and that holds for eternity. Yes, Jesus died once and rose against once, and those things being done just one time was enough. But the impact of biblical truth on our lives usually doesn't function in the same way. Uh, the Holy Spirit works oftentimes much slower when it comes to showing us the wisdom of God's Word and how it changes our life. It is doing a deep work in our heart, a transforming work, and oftentimes that work, it is not a quick or hasty work. Think about getting physically healthier. You might, you might go to the doctor, and, 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 and she might say, hey, you know what, your body, you know, just needs you to treat it properly. You need you to, so let's uh, to foster some healthy results. Let's do some vitamins. Let's do some exercise. You know, here's how you can get healthier or stay healthy. And, and, and now that you have that knowledge, it doesn't mean that you just get to go home and be like, I know now, and I'm going to do it once, and I'm good, and it just continues forever. No, good, good health, as, as we all know, is something to be gained and it takes commitment, whether in getting healthy or, or continuing in efforts to remain healthy. And contentment is similar in that. In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. If we want the great gain that comes from godliness with contentment, we need to do similar to what it might mean to get healthier. Take the steps to reach it and maintain it. And for contentment, that starts with a need to reach for a deeper understanding of the because part of that passage in Hebrews. If we want fulfillment, we're going to need and to remember and experience God's truth and be changed by it again and again and again. But in grasping that truth and being changed by it, friends, there is no shortage of obstacles that can get in the way of it. See, contentment is not exclusively a biblical word. The concept is, is yes, it's uniquely defined in Scripture, but it can be found in a lot of other places and forms throughout history and up to today. And that means that, that before we, we dive really deep into Scripture, it might be helpful to kind of talk about some of the ways that, that some of the, the other ways that contentment is pursued, or, or we say, hey, this is, this is a way, a worldly way to get it. And some of the ways that we'll look at are, are clearly unhealthy, even, even counter to how God calls us to live. But some of them are actions that one would see and expect from someone living that loves Jesus. And there's every example in between. But even in the good things in this world, none of them are ever going to be enough for the contentment that our heart desires. So we're going to go through four types of worldly contentment that one might pursue. And these are my four types. So if you go online and look for these, um, you're not going to find it, but you can go back and watch this YouTube video. So now it, I guess it will exist online after I've said them all. So the first type of contentment that we're going to look at, I call it the, uh, the it's all good. Okay. This is the laid-back approach of contentment. 
choosing to, to not care about something or lack involvement in order to enjoy the satisfaction of, of not having to worry or feel the pressure of, of whatever is not being addressed. I had a friend in high school once who, who um, he broke his leg and, uh, and he was just kind of like, it's all good, man. It'll, it'll, it'll do its own thing. And, and he treated his broken leg like that. He really was just like, it's all good. I don't need to go to the doctor. And for months and months, he limped. And we all asked him, we're like, hey, man, are you going to go to the doctor? He's like, oh, it's going to heal itself. And it did. I, his leg did heal. And then when I saw him five or six years later after high school, and I was like, why is he limping? I quickly remembered, oh, yeah, because his leg healed all weird. And I asked him about it. I said, hey, how's your leg? Like, I know you didn't go. And he was like, oh, it's all good. It healed. It's all good. <laughs> I go to work. Like, I got to. And it was just like, okay, like, well, it doesn't look all good, but cool. Now, now that may, might be an extreme example for many of you. I, I'm hoping that most of you are like, gosh, Brian, like, who was that? I will never do that. But, but, but I, I, I go there because I want us to recognize as we go through this whole list that, that there's going to be things that you're going to be like, I would never do. But your neighbor might do it. Or maybe vice versa. Maybe it's something that you would do or you have done, but your neighbor wouldn't. Like how people choose intentionally to stay out of politics, not vote, and not contribute because they just feel, it doesn't really affect me that much. Whoever gets voted in, like, it's going to be okay. Like, whatever, my life's not going to change that much. I think some of you in the room are like, hmm, I kind of get that. And like the rest of you are like, oh my gosh, people think like that? <laughs> what? But it, 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 it's, it's that all good type of complacency. It, it might even be that, hey, I'm just, I'm okay with, with my life. I'm okay with my job. I'm okay with my family and my possessions. It's, it's all good. I'm not looking for more. Maybe it, it's, it's just a matter of like, I've just kind of given up because that's hard. And it's just easier to not do it. Maybe it's, it's just not following the conviction to love or to care for someone. Because even though you know you probably should call them or you should apologize, it's like, ah, I'll forget eventually that I hurt them and, and it'll, be, it'll be all good. It's all good. They'll figure it out. The next type of contentment is, is temporary impulsive. And this is that contentment that, that we aren't regularly thinking about until we really feel that we need it. I, I, would, I would maybe compare it to a six-year-old's bladder, okay? Six-year-olds mostly forget that they have a bladder until all of a sudden they have a bladder, and they got to go, and you're in the car 10 minutes down the road, and they're like, Dad, 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 stop the car. I have to pee. I don't know what this is, but it's, I got to pee more than ever before. <laughs> and even though for us, maybe, maybe this, that's not the moment, but, but, but we have those impulses. We have those things where we're like, I need this, and I need it now. Maybe it's just a moment or an experience or, or just something, I just need to feel good right now, or, or I just need to escape. Maybe it's just unhealthy eating or snack, snacking habits. I know for me, I'm just like, oh, today's tough, and then that's a good excuse for cookies. <laughs> but, but sometimes it's also just, I'm just going to look at my phone and Facebook, Instagram. Something eventually will, I don't know, make me feel better. Maybe it's, maybe it's substance abuse. Maybe, maybe it's pornography. Maybe, maybe it's running away from your responsibilities and just being like, I'm just going to ignore this. I'm, I'm going to full on just run away. Maybe it's thrill seeking or, 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 or just that urgent need. Like, I've got to see a friend who's just going to make me feel better. Turning on the TV, filling up the Amazon cart. Maybe it's just putting on a happy face for a friend because you're like, you know what? I don't really, 
I'm just going to be happy right now. They're going to think I'm happy. And if I'm happy with them, then I'm happy for right now. The next type of contentment is the, the once I have blank. Once I have this thing, or, or once I'm living this life, or I, or I reach that age, or, or once our country is this way, or, or my spouse is that way, maybe it's once I have a spouse, or once I have a job, or once I'm, once I'm out of this high school, once my job settles down, or once I get a promotion, once this season of life is over, once the house is clean and the laundry's done and the kids are in bed, what about once I have enough money? I think, I think this one can even go to once they get what's coming for them. Once justice is served, then I can rest. And I think we've all seen the frequency with which crime drama television shows are renewed, that we know that justice will never be served, and you will never rest, Mr. Detective, and we're going to keep enjoying watching your restlessness as you seek the criminals. As I say that now, you guys are going to find out that NCIS is canceled after 45 seasons or whatever it is. I don't know. Is that show still running? Is NCIS still going? Okay, justice is not never going to be served in that show. They're never going to rest, so they, no. Once I'm out of this job, once the kids are older, once, once I retire, the last type of contentment is, is, is never be content. Because sometimes, and for some people, we just don't want to be content. And as ironic as it sounds, we feel fulfilled in not being content. I mean, from this perspective, if you're content, you'll, you'll never get what you want. And don't you want to reach your full potential? Don't you want to be the best? Don't you want to overcome and conquer and improve and be at the top? Nothing is ever enough, right? Thus, being content, I, I'm not, I can't settle for anything less than the best. I would assume that billionaires experience this. Maybe Tom Brady, Kim Kardashian, whoever's making all the Marvel movies. They're just never going to stop. It's like Thanos is like funding the Marvel movies, and he's just like, someday every theater everywhere will be playing a Marvel movie forever. <laughs> Thanos is a really powerful character in Marvel, if you don't know. If you do know, though, anyways. <laughs> But I think for me, though, I've experienced this in, in the times of my life where maybe, maybe I've gotten hurt or maybe I've gotten disappointed or, or haven't reached a goal, and I'm just like, you know what? I, I can't rest. Because when I rest, when I'm, when I'm vulnerable and I slow down, I get hurt. When I, when, I don't, when I don't seek to just be the best at everything I do, I end up not getting the result that I want. Yeah. And I'll tell you, whenever I tell myself these things, one, one of the areas of Scripture that I'm forgetting most is, is, is some of the first few things that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. You probably remember he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. Why can't it say, like, blessed are the superstars for kicking butt and never giving up and helping God get all the Christians to the top of the cultural ladder, right? <laughs> blessed are the strong for giving God a break and not having to worry about me. <laughs> no, like those last two, the Bible doesn't say it. It doesn't even come close to saying those things. And how proud my heart is, yet is then humbled whenever I read those words of Jesus. Because as we go through life, we're going to come across a lot of times when we experience a feeling of contentment or satisfaction that are going to come through worldly desires. And that's not always bad because some of those experiences ever aren't inherently bad. 
One of my favorite things to do in the world is to sit out with my wife on the patio, listen to some 90s alt rock, not country. Sorry for those of you that love country, but if you bring country when I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, thanks. Some of you like don't like me now, and I apologize for that too. But I just want to sit there with my wife, and I just want to watch my kids play, and it's, it's just one of my favorite, it's all good type of moments. It's just good. It's peaceful and fulfilled. But as great as that moment is, and as much as I want more and more moments like that in my life, that feeling of peace that that moment brings is not the answer to the deepest desires and needs that my heart longs for. That feeling and what it provides is temporary and fragile. I remember when, when, I, was, when I was a single dad and I was, I was trying to figure out what does life look like? I've, I've got this little two and a half, three-year-old girl and, and I've got to raise her and I've got a job. And, 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 and as you could assume, I, did, I felt pretty discontent. And I remember thinking, okay, you know what? Once I get that promotion at work, then, I'm gonna, then it's going to be good. And I got that promotion at work and it was great. And I, I loved it and I loved the job and, and it brought a lot of joy. But I still didn't really feel content. But then I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a house. Once I have a house, and it's my house, and it's my little domain, oh, for me and Eden, it's going to be so good. And I'll tell you, I went, and I worked hard, and I bought a house, and it was great, and, and it was a blessing from the Lord. But it didn't take long for me once again to be like, man, I am just not content. And then I thought, I, I know what it is. I'm a single dad. I need a wife. Once I find a wife, once I meet the right woman and she's great, then I will feel content. And you know what? I did. She was a heck of a lot better, and, and I upgraded, and she, for some reason, downgraded. Um, <laughs> but as much as I upgraded to this amazing woman, it didn't take long to realize, like, I'm still not perfectly content. As great as my wife is, she was not enough for everything that I needed. And you might be thinking today, Man, Brian is using his life as an example a lot today. <laughs> yes, I am a, because I've learned the hard way too many times that putting my trust in things in this world, even, even cool things and great things like getting a house and, and having a great wife in the midst of doing all those things, all of those things time and time again would eventually prove to not be enough. And I would guess that I'm not the only one in this room that's been learning that the hard way. So the reason I'm setting up these types of contentment and satisfaction with so many examples is because we need to understand that nothing outside of God will ever truly satisfy us. And if our pursuit of satisfaction is on worldly things rather than God, we are going to miss out on contentment that he has made available to us. That's why we're told not to love money. Not because money is the problem. The argument isn't an economic status quo. The argument is that contentment is an issue of the heart. The, the issue of our misguided desires and, and efforts to try to replace what only God offers. That is the problem. And how foolish to think that we could find greater pleasure in the created things when the creator himself offers us satisfaction in him. God created us for his glory. He understands better than we ever will the deepest needs of our heart. I mean, he straight up made our heart, so, Right? He, he knows that those needs will not be found in possessions or status or pleasure or good ideas, even loved ones or perfect circumstances. And it's important that do, we do not let the temporary satisfaction we have experienced in this world blind us to think otherwise. Because eventually the tough moments, they're going to come. It's going to come for all of us. Maybe, maybe we've had them, maybe we're in them, or maybe we're just like, I know someday. 
And the things that, that are worldly and have brought us that temporary satisfaction, they are going to fall short when those times come. Church, I hope that I have made a case for not trusting in created things and also not trusting in ourselves. A case to look to something greater than those things that will eventually be shattered by the brokenness of the world. The case that we need to look beyond ourselves because even our best efforts, if done apart from God, will be corrupted by sin and fall short of what we need. And there's only one thing that can truly sustain us in the toughest moments. Sustain us through the loss of a job, loss of our home, the death of a loved one, sickness, poverty, prison, abuse. There's something better available to us than we have ever experienced in this world. And that thing that is available is closeness to God, a relationship with him. God's presence is better than all of it. And he wants to be in relationship with you because he is glorified in your complete enjoyment of him. That is why our satisfaction must be rooted in the because of that statement we read in Hebrews. Because God will never leave us nor forsake us. And the reason he will never leave us is because he's always with us. And he will never forsake us because he is always for us. Friends, it is the truth of the gospel that contains the secret to our satisfaction. That, that statement of never leave us, forsake us, it is the gospel. It is the reason for which we can be truly content in this life no matter what happens. And I know you might be thinking, Brian, there's actually a lot more. There's that thing with Jesus. But, but, but when you think about why will God never leave us nor forsake us, Titus 3, 4, 7 tells us why. It says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Church, we can be content. We can believe that God is with us and will never leave us because we are saved as believers in Christ by mercy. You don't have to worry about your past. You don't have to question your salvation when you mess up. You don't have to figure out all the things to juggle. You are saved from the pit of hell and from the despair of this world, not because you're doing a great job and will hopefully keep it up. No, you are saved because of God's mercy. You are reborn and filled with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and you are justified, which means that you are no longer guilty of your sins because of Jesus. And because of that, when you say, yes, I want that, I believe that, that is mine, guys, God is with you. You are never alone. In saving you, God has not only saved you from your sins, but he has reconciled you to himself, meaning he has brought you into a relationship with him. And if, that's the, if you're a believer in Christ and that's the first time that you're hearing this, friends, when being reconciled to God means you have been brought into a relationship with him. And I want to tell you, you've been living with a friend in your house and you didn't even know it, and he wants to hang out. Okay? And knowing that truth, it breeds reason for contentment in all times. Look at what Paul writes to Philippians. And before I read this, the letter that he wrote to Philippians, he wrote from prison. Okay? And not only is it like, oh man, life was really good for Paul and he ended up in prison and that's a bummer. No, like one, he was in prison for basically loving Jesus and preaching the gospel. But as many of you might remember, leading up to that, he was beaten up. He was nearly killed. He was shipwrecked. 
He was treated pretty poorly. He didn't have a lot. He had a lot. His life went through a lot. And after all the horrible things that had happened in his life, and now he's in prison. I think, is this the second time he's in prison? In Philippians? Who knows? You go study. Go, go look at the history. Doesn't matter. The point is, Paul's in a low spot, okay? And that's why I got to keep going to seminary, guys, because then that'll just come to me, and, and then it will be good. You're like, all right, that's why, okay. But anyways, Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Guys, Paul is not talking about cheap worldly contentment. Those four types that I listed don't stand a chance at bringing anyone what Paul is describing. Okay? Paul can be content because he is not looking for that fulfillment in things of the world that will pass. Instead, he is content because deeply rooted in his heart is the truth that no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, how hungry or sick he is or close to death or broken, he has already received the greatest gift of all. Knowing and being known by God. A truth so great that one could feel satisfied even in their lowest moments. The truth that God, the creator of the universe, loves you and he calls you his own and will be keeping you for eternity. And friends, that exact truth, which brought so much great contentment to Paul, is true for you as well. And for those of you that are maybe on the fence about God right now, or maybe you're just like here and you're like, hey, I, I don't know anything. Who knows? I'm just checking things out. I want you to know that it is available to you as well. If you believe in Christ and declare him as your Lord and Savior, God is like, please run to me. I'll take care of everything I want to be with. And church, the, the, the deeper our embrace of this truth and our love for God go, the greater our satisfaction in all things in this world will be. Because our satisfaction will not be of this world. And it works because God made you. And he made you to be truly satisfied by what? By him. And he will never leave you or forsake you. That's why we can sing with the psalmist when he says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will never be shaken. Friends, I want to find rest. I want to never be shaken. And church, we need this. We need rest from the crazy messed up world we live in. The hurt, the abuse, disruption, the disappointment and persecution the exploitation, the betrayal. But something else I need rest from is me, my sin, my brokenness, my mistakes, my, my anxious mind. The restlessness I've experienced because I have been part of what is wrong with the world. Friends, when God found me, I was broken. And at times, that brokenness and that pain, that sin in me, it wants to bubble up. It wants to try to take over. It wants to say, no, no, Brian, I'm still here. It tries to knock me off course for what God has. And, 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 and you might know exactly what I'm talking about. You might be thinking, yeah, Brian, no, no one knows better than me what goes on inside and how dark that can get. Before we met Christ, Paul told us in Ephesians, in those letters to the Ephesians, he said, we were dead in our sins in which we used to live. 
when you follow the ways of this world, all of us gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Sometimes that old me, that one that wasn't seeking Jesus, he doesn't seem that far back in my past. He wants me to forget that there's actually verses that come after those ones. He wants me to read those first few verses and think, yeah, Brian, you're actually still there. And he doesn't want me to read on. But I think the, because I think the biggest thing that keeps us from contentment is ourselves. It's our own sin. And that's why we have to remember whenever we are in those moments experiencing that seep of all that is not good inside of us, trying to make its way out and infect our hearts and our minds, when we feel those things, remember this. Jesus says no more. He says you are not lost, you are found, and you are mine. And then he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why we got to keep reading in Ephesians. That's why when we read those things in Scripture and it points at us and we're like, oh, dang, yeah. Keep reading. Because what's, what does it say next? It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, that means dead in your sins. That means in all those moments where you're like, why would God want me? How could I get there? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast or so that no one can say I didn't do enough works. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When you feel the restlessness of sin, remember that you are alive in Christ. Remember that we can be content in our salvation and relationship with him because it is a gift that will not be taken back. And that despite our imperfections and our stumblings as believers, we've got to remember that he has already prepared in advance the good works for, that he has for us to do. Friend, you can't even mess up the good works that he has for you to do. That that right there oh my gosh I've... we can have contentment because if I can simply put it God's got this God's got this I will warn you though pressing deeper and deeper into the gospel and the contentment that follows and pressing into our relationship with God it's going to change who you are don't expect to find, to find rest in God and to not be changed by it his presence is powerful and as we mentioned earlier, like when we go to the doctor, we, we don't ride on one moment and just, you know, hey, I'm good. I know this forever. If we actually want it to change us. When Paul was in prison, let's go back to that, that verse, and, and wrote about being contented, there's a key word he mentions that helps us with, with what we're talking about. He says, I have learned the secret of being content. He doesn't say, oh man, you probably read about my pretty cool conversion story. Road to Damascus, right? It was epic, and then I was just content. No. He says, I learned to be content. He learned the secret of contentment, and that's the great part is that that means that you can too. So you don't have to be like, well, gosh, I was saved, and, and, and now what? I'm not, I don't feel it. That was years ago. No. So as you saw on your seat today, there's a piece of paper. We don't usually have pieces of paper. And if there wasn't one on your seat, there's probably an empty seat where there's one. There's a few in the front row. 
But, but, but the next step, and, and, and we don't have so much time. Tyler didn't give me all day, so we're not going to go too deep into the learned part. Um, but the next step is, is prayer, okay? Prayer so that, so that we can hide this truth in our hearts and be changed by it. And praying through God's word is a powerful step that the Holy Spirit loves to use to work in you. So before we end today, I'm going to walk briefly through uh, the, these prayer cards, we'll call them. Because this is going to be the next step in learning how to grow our relationship with God and in doing so, growing in contentment. And so there's three sections. At the top is the verse. I, I realize I didn't put the verse. That's Psalm 62, 5, I think, that we would rest in, in God. But the, the, the first section to pray, it says, Help me to wholly believe and be changed by the gospel. And it's got Titus 3, 4 to 7. And here we pray through the summary of the gospel, asking that God would, would write it on our hearts, okay? That's what you're doing. You're just saying, God, help me to wholly believe and ch be changed by this truth. And you could also go and read that, that, that passage from Ephesians as well. The next one is, is Galatians 5, 22 to 24, and the, the fruits of the Spirit. And the prayer is, help me to live as one who belongs to Christ and reveal in me the fruits of your Spirit. And if you don't know, the, the fruits of the Spirit are characteristics of what one living for Christ looks like. And we pursue this not for perfection. Okay, God's going to bring us to perfection when he takes us to heaven. Okay? But we pursue it in order that we would align our hearts with God's heart. Okay? God's heart. And that's going to bring us closer to him. And the last one is uh, the Beatitudes. And the prayer is, help me to feel content always, knowing God is with me even in the most difficult of circumstances. And we need to pray asking that he would sustain us and bring contentment even in the hardest times. And that's kind of what the Beatitudes is. It's talking about tough times. You probably don't read it and be like, yeah, so I want to be poor. I want to mourn. Oh, that sounds great. No, you read that, and, and, and some, I know sometimes for me, I'm like, man, how is that blessed? But, but we are blessed because in those moments, we truly experience and understand why we can be content in Christ, even in the hardest times. So once more, I'm going to ask a question. When we meet hard times in this life, how do we survive these moments? The answer is we triumph when we learn to be fully satisfied in our relationship with God, that we are not alone because he will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that, that you have done the work, Lord. And how amazing, God, that you don't just save us. You don't just say, hey, yeah, come to church and, and do, do the religious activities, but that you say, no, most important of all is being in relationship with me. And God, I would bet that everyone in this room has experienced loneliness at some point has experienced discontent. And God, might we, for all of our lives, strive to know that you are with us, that you love us, that you are in relationship with us, and that because of that, we can be content in all things. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.